Welcome to the Heads and Bed Show, where we teach you how to get more properties, earn more revenue per property, and increase your occupancy. I'm your co-host, Conrad. And I'm your co-host, Paul. All right. Hi there, Paul. How's it going today? Fantastic, Conrad. Another start of the week here. Another bright start of the week here. Where it is. We've already been talking about our home issues with the kids not quite being healthy. But how's your week? How was your last week? How's the week going so far as we're just kicking up? Yeah, I'm just hoping for a better week this week. I guess I'll leave it at that. It was There was illness running through the house. There was problems. There was minor professional chaos. You can't win them all, right? If they were all perfect and amazing, then I guess we would just have no frame for when things actually need to be a little bit better. So I'm ready to put that one behind me. It's like an athlete getting interviewed after they lose it. Right. I'm just going to come back out here next week and you know, do a better job. So that's how I'm feeling. We, lo- we lost the game, but good news. There's another game being played this week and I can win this one. So that's my thoughts on it. <laughs> that's the key. That is the key. We'll get back out there. And it is, we've heard, I feel like we've all you've hear, heard the last week or two is interviews with college kids that are saying the exact same yeah. thing. <laughs> we'll get back out there or just excited to be making it on the next weekend with March Madness here. Yeah. Some of those games are entertaining. I did catch them being stuck in the house and not really doing much. So yeah, I caught a few of them. The San Diego state team seems pretty fun yeah. to watch. I kind of like watching them. That's why I guess now it's too late to be like, oh, I'm rooting for the underdog. Now they're like eating <laughs> everybody but yeah those, those have been just entertaining i don't really have a team so i just like to watch it i just want a close game and they have been in close games which is fun so. these yeah at least it's been fairly entertaining basketball i at the very least everybody's brackets are long since been have long since been busted i think <laughs> right we've got a three five five nine or something like four five five nine yeah. just <laughs> that that's a skew that obviously nobody predicted but it is i think it's going to make all those pools that everybody joins next year just a little more entertaining or you're going to see a few more low scores that are going out there from people just picking with their hearts or or doing whatever they're going to do there yeah i'm not an expert in it but my understanding is that there's just a lot of parody this year because there's teams that have i guess this aztec team got the covid kind of messed them up but then they like Mm -hmm. came back with all the same guys or something like that's another they have a chance or whatever the case may be so it seems like there's like external factors other than just, hey, put a bunch of five-star kids together and let them try to figure it out as they go along, which I think is like the Kentucky Duke UNC model or whatever. So it's interesting to see that approach yeah. and how it's working. Yeah, I mean, it is, that's it. That's exactly it. They, as a Gophers fan, it definitely hurt. It could have been two out of four or three out of four teams represented the head coach at San Diego State as a Gophers alum. His dad coached that as a, was a Gophers coach. We've, we danced around that higher a little bit there. Um Texas's point guard was a portal, mm-hmm. and uh, so was Florida Atlantic's one of their key players. Okay. <laughs> it's a Gophers transfer, so. so yeah, I mean it is. I think COVID, the transfer portal, it's definitely added some nuance. You got guys that are 23, 24, 25 years old right. that are playing. Right. <laughs> this is right. there. It'll be interesting to see as we're post people who came into school in 2020, people staying for four years or three years or something like that. I'm interested to see that. But yeah, it's it's a fun time. I think that at least CBS, the family, that family of network, the Turner family, they got to be pretty happy with what they've seen so far, even if it's not the perennial blue bloods that they typically see. So yeah, right on. You said that there's some teams winning that we didn't expect. But who else is winning? OpenAI. <laughs> so they dropped some, let's get into Marketing Minute, where they dropped some plugins over the past week or so. Here's that. We'll put a link in the show notes to this like blog post that they announced mm-hmm. it with. And the headline is fascinating. It just says, ChatGPT plugins. We've implemented initial support for plugins in ChatGPT. Plugins are tools designed specifically for language models with safety as a core principle. That's important. To help with ChatGPT access up-to-date information, run computations, or use third-party services. Now, you and I have been beating the ChatGPT drum. Holy smokes, take your shot now, whatever time of the day it is for you, because it's only been four minutes and 18 seconds of the episode, and we've already mentioned <laughs> ChatGPT. However, this one is interesting. 
because the criticism, if you will, over the past little bit with many of us was, oh, this chat GPT thing is great. However, all this data is old. It is not accessing mm-hmm. data that's happening today. Now, Bing took their spin on it and they're combining like web indexing with the API. But then OpenAI is just, we can do this ourselves. So there's now a web scraping plugin from what I saw. I can't access this, by the way. I'm not in the beta, I guess, here. We'll talk about betas in a second and how disappointing they can be. But there's an Expedia one, which is obviously fascinating for our audience, the travel industry. When that's out, I will definitely do maybe a thread on that, or I'll put a LinkedIn post about that. How to, can Expedia allow me to book a vacation rental using ChatGPT? Because there's still some vacational inventory on Expedia. Mm-hmm. Do they actually feed from Verbo? That'll be an interesting look at it. But what was your takeaway from this plugin thing? It seemed like to me, I was like, I saw it and I was like, oh, I was thinking that was something they're going to get to next year. They were like, no, we'll get to that next week. And it just seems <laughs> the pace in which they're solving problems is unbelievable. And I don't know, this just seems like a very transformative piece of technology in my side. I would agree. It's, and I think it is like seeing Kayak, seeing Expedia both come into the fray. I think the uh, it is, it's pretty incredible to think that you could book and I've seen the links, the examples of someone going through and doing it, like asking about what that what the vacation situation is do it writing the prompt of okay i want to go to this destination and i want to do these things with my family and then to see break down hotel resort vacation rental going down to specific areas and then getting the booking link to actually go right into expedia and book that it's it's a pretty slick and streamlined process there the ability to obviously i don't think it's going to stop with i've seen open tables on there as well um this i would say it's absolutely something on the e-commerce side of things. If you hadn't considered that, if you'd only been thinking about your your brick and mortar website, your domain website, this is certainly going to be something that you're going to have to consider. Just with, I think the number that I saw, that was probably the most stunning just because there's always a new chat GPT number. But I think it took chat GPT two months to get to 100 million users. Facebook, it took two and a half years. Twitter, it took a year and a half, something like that. Where some of these ridiculous numbers, I think it, it is. I, we're, we are so like in the moment right now that it's hard to put, pick your head up and really try to figure out where is this all going? Like I, I, this is, I, I don't know where it's going next. Like pace at which everything is happening right now is just so fast that I think it almost doesn't give you enough time to catch up, learn, read, and really figure out how you're going to strategically use it down the road here. Overall, really exciting news, but it does. I think it puts puts us all behind the eight ball to a certain extent here of, man, we're going to have to, like, learning on the fly, I don't even think that's a good enough characteriz- characterization. I think we're learning at warp speed, and when you're trying to do that, obviously, the stuff's going to fall through the cracks there a little bit. Yeah, just reminds me as I've been working on our documentation and I had documentation that I just had to delete the other day because it was like the way that I was doing it was now completely basically ineffective and didn't work in the way that it should. And there's now a Google Sheets plugin and I used it to build a page the other day for a blog post where it was like intro for a blog post, this and that. And it was just like, wait, this didn't work like two weeks ago. Now it works. So yeah, that like you said, the pace is fascinating. So we'll see how it goes. Google's trying to keep up. So let's go into this oh. note. You and I both got access to Bard, which we were joking before we hit record that this is a terrible name, Bard. It just sounds like, <laughs> almost sounds like an STD. I don't know if I can say that, but it's, oh no, we got the Bard. Like he's going to be out for a while. Anyways, that may have been an off color joke. Not good, not impressive. Wasn't the outputs a little bit slower too than I noticed Chat. GPT 3.5, yeah. the Turbo API. The output's not very good, doesn't cite sources. It has some of the same problems as like 
almost GPT-2, which I think people were talking about playing with two years ago. I just, I don't see it. Are you, what's your thoughts on this? Are you impressed by it? I wasn't impressed by it. I think on the Bard side of things, I certainly haven't been impressed either. I think we joked about that over the weekend here, just trying to test it through. I saw enough people online on the social media feeds starting to do some testing and giving it some prompts that it was already struggling with. So I had a feeling that we were probably going to be in that area, but yeah, old data, just not very good answers, not very comprehensive. Um, the content I haven't been impressed with. I don't know. I, and maybe it is, maybe it's that I need to work on my prompts for Google. Like I have worked on prompts for chat GPT. I think that there's something to be said for that. I'll give Google the slightest benefit of the doubt there. But at the same time, I think there's a reason why they didn't roll it out. I, they, it's still a work in progress. And I don't know where, what the timing is, if they're going to catch, if they're going to catch up at all, if they're going to catch up in six months, in a year, but they are significantly behind. And again, you add plugins into that and you add some of the other functionality that you're seeing with chat GPT. I, I don't know where Bard goes. I don't think Google's in any fear of losing search impression. The baseline of 90% of people or 85% of people still going and starting their searches on Google, I think that remains accurate and it will remain accurate in the short term. How if ChatGPT continues to distance itself on results and being able to, and as it is more implemented into Microsoft Bing, all these products, I would, there could be a shift afoot here. I just, I am just so underwhelmed by Bard and then the Google performance up to this point that ew, I'm, this is the first time I've ever been scared that people are going to start switching away from Google search. What are your thoughts on that? We're like you said, we're in our bubble. So I think that in our bubble, we're not impressed, but I think the broad right. public, like moving away from Google, I think that would be like a multi, that may be a decade long process. Like I think the results would have to get really bad for a really long period of time for like my mother to stop using Google. Right. That's my sentiment there. But right. that being said, I do wonder if people aren't really that loyal to Google in the sense that if they did think the results were going down in quality and something became the default, here would be a fascinating conversation. If the default changed from Google to the new version of Bing on the next release of the iPhone happening in the right. fall, yep. how many people would manually go switch it back from Bing to Google? That today, I don't know if that number would be as great as I would have said a year ago, because they may be like, oh, this is interesting. This is different. And yep. a good portion of people, I think, wouldn't change it. I think they would be fine with, you know, exactly how it was working or exactly how it was looking. So, yeah, that that's something that maybe would be an interesting litmus test mm -hmm. for it, which is that if you change, went and changed the defaults on a lot of different devices, whether it be a phone yeah. or a, a tablet or uh, obviously a laptop or a desktop computer, and you made someone's new Bing kind of the default would they be that bothered by it? I think a good chunk of the general population would, wouldn't be that bothered. Therefore, I feel like you must make the case or you could make the case that if that if that were true, then obviously the difference in quality between these two search engines is not nearly as great as it once was in the past. And or people may be like, oh, this is new. This is an interesting feature I've not seen on Google before. And they right. would be a little bit less loyal. I'm not, I think, again, I think the idea of someone choosing Bing over Google right now to be like, oh, the results are better over here. And people who are not in the search marketing space, people who are just regular people that use search engines to find vacation rentals. I think right. that would be a pretty big leap for me right now to say that. I wouldn't go and short the Google stock or anything like that. I think that <laughs> a lot of loyalty built in from a user base yeah. there. Yeah, but we'll see. Like to your point, they're on shakier ground today than they were a year ago or two years ago. That feels right. like a pretty fair statement. And the like stock price and things like that do, do, does reflect that, that people obviously believe that there's a chance that 
not that this takes them down, but maybe it takes a chunk out of them. They're this kind of freight liner moving through the ocean. And I don't think they're about to hit an iceberg. I don't think this is the Titanic, but I do wonder if this is someone's going to come up and take a swing at them and take 5% market share, 10% market share. I don't think that's an insane thought, especially if the, some of these LLMs become better at like the search product, which mm-hmm. with ChatGPT having a plugin, back to our first note, seems pretty reasonable. The idea that you would use like a ChatGPT powered tool with a plugin to scrape the web and find out what's going on now and combine that together to have like new summaries or notes or things like that kind of sent your way in a way that's more user-friendly and less advertiser-friendly, which of course is Google's whole model. So those are my high-level thoughts. I'm not burning the boats yet, but I see something there that I wouldn't have seen coming a year ago. And I think think some of the initial, those initial articles as Microsoft was making the decision to invest in in OpenAI was Mm. that it is, there, there was definitely a red alert and Larry Page and Sergey Brin coming back into the coming back into the fold for the first time. That's I think that should have told us everything. Maybe we didn't read into that enough, but that that should have told us that something's up, something's happening. Google feels a little threatened, and again, now that we three two months, three months later, five months later, for good reason. So yeah, it's I would agree there. There's definitely some steps to to getting there before Google loses market share or anything like that. But yeah, there's something to be considered at the very least there. We still like Google though, for most. Yeah, let's flip that note on its head then because there's actually a tool from Google that we love. You know what that tool is called? Google Search Console, formerly FKA, formerly known as Webmaster Tools. When I got started in the space, <laughs> yep. that's, what I, yeah. that's what I was aware of, known as Webmaster Tools. And the interface used to be really ugly, but it was very Google-y, very Gmail-like. And now, of course, we have this new slick material design interface, and it's called Webmaster. Uh, sorry, it's called Search Console. See, I just, I flubbed it right there. You- I flipped it on its head. But so break it down for the people. What is Search Console? What data does this tool give us? Why should I care? How much does it cost? Give a high-level overview. What the heck is this thing? First of all, like most of the most important things that you can have with Google, it's free. Google Search Console is just oh, another free. one of those products that and it's, yeah, you can pay for just about anything in Google too. But in this case, yeah, <laughs> this, it's, this is a free product. And really what this allows you to do is understand the organic presence, the, the organic nature, the perf- overall performance. It gives you a lot of behind the scenes metrics on how mm-hmm. your website performs, how your domains perform, really across all of the Google products. Search results is certainly the marquee area, but one of the things that built in more recently, and it's because it's, I think it's a better product or a product that they're trying to get more use out of is that Google Discover side of things. So you can see your search results performance, your Google Discover, you can see really, I mean, for any medium that you can show up in Google search results, video, anything like that, you can find it. You can index your website. You can let Google know that there are new pages. You can let Google know that there are old pages. You can submit a sitemap. You can really do all the technical things to ensure that Google understands exactly what your website's all about, what pages it should be crawling. And then you, again, as you get some of the reporting and KPIs back, you get to understand what are the search terms that people are using to find your website? What, where, what are the fluctuations that are happening as your impressions go up and your clicks go up? What's the click-through rate over a given period of time in which 
areas. It's a lot of fun data. For us, we probably nerd out over it more than the average average people. But I did I did I do it justice? Did I give it the full overview yeah. here with the Google search goals on console side of things? Yeah, I was actually comparing it to their landing page while you were talking. And they, what do they say specifically? They're like, basically, this is your performance on search, which I think, to your point, doesn't do it justice. There's a lot more inside of it they that really actually did. you can do. And really, it's one of, like you said, we joke about this actually being the rare free tool from Google that gives you pretty decent data. But I would say more importantly than that, in some respect, it gives you free information and it lets you know what's going on on your site, um, emails you and lets you know. It's almost like the uh, little friendly SEO buddy you never had that's out there just checking out things for you for free. So Search Console, one of those things that's in our like onboarding or even a lot of times we get Search Console access before we begin to work with a client on the guest side of things maybe a little bit less important on the owner side with respect to like data because you can quickly check a handful of keywords. But right. on the guest side, we don't always know how much blog traffic is coming in or what sort of issues are on the site or whatever the case may be. And this tool is really valuable. So a lot of times we'll get it again, pre-kickoff call just during the proposal stage, dig around, see what's going on, look at traffic, look at trends. But certainly as part of our kickoff call information, this is in my mind just as important as having analytics. It's like the next thing we ask, hey, give us analytics access, boom, give us search console access right after so we can get in there. And pretty common that we find people that we begin to work with that don't have this set up, which is a bummer because if it's not set up at all, it doesn't go back and gather historical data. No. So right. in some cases, we've set up an account, logged, logged into search console and learned that it was never set up previously. So we have no historical data to refer back to which is a bummer because we can obviously get a lot of insight from the data coming in from all the metrics that you said a minute ago, clicks, impressions, click through rate, average position, and so on. Important, set it up. If you haven't set this up yet and you're listening and you made it this far, definitely check it out. It's really valuable. Yeah. I agree with you. The top assessment that I'm looking at for sure, whenever I log into Search Console, search results, that's the most common tab I'm looking into. But a lot of the time now I'm seeing Discover and we have some clients who are actually getting some of their content in Google News. It's never consistent, but you'll actually see three tabs there in some cases, Search Results, Discover, and then Google News. I'm looking at one, mm-hmm. one client that we work with right now who's gotten 8,000 visitors over the past year through Google News. So it's not nothing. It can certainly help a little bit. And my logic there is that your site's pretty trusted if you show up in Google News. So forget the 8,000 visitors. I just like the fact that I have clients who sometimes get their content shown in Discover and in Google News because Google is specifically promoting it in a way that's, I think, like proving and showing that they like the quality of the content and the information on your website. So that makes me feel good when I see that. But certainly we have sites that perform well that don't get much Discover traffic and don't get much through Google News. So don't think that those are requirements, but it is like additional services where your content can be displayed. And that may be something you want to take a peek at if you're in there. But inside the search results tab, like most of the time what I'm looking at Obviously, it's like overall traffic trends. How, is, how are the clicks from Google going up, going down? How seasonal is it? They do store. This is an important note. Only 16 months worth of data. So if you do set it up and you've had it set up for some time, you unfortunately can't go back and look at what was happening in 2020 or right. the pre-COVID data. That's all gone. Now, there's third-party tools that you can use to archive this data and store it in like a Google Sheet or inside of a database. But inside the regular Google Search Console interface that you and I and everybody out there can access, um, they only store 16 months of data. So keep that in mind if you do want to keep this data for the longer term, you may want to go and explore that. Another thing, the web interface is pretty limited. They only show you the top thousand rows of data on pages and queries. Now, if you're a small site, that may not be a big deal to you. But for some of the larger sites that we work on, we work with a client um, for several, several years now who's pretty large, 500,000 plus pages indexed in Google, several million organic visitors a month. This is a listing site in the short-term rental space. This site, it's not sufficient to go into the web interface and look at traffic trends because it shows a limited view of the data. So in that scenario, you have to use the API. So if you're a bigger site out there that's been around for a long time, and you have thousands of pages or you have hundreds of properties and a lot of blog content and things like that, the web interface is a bit of a Fisher-Price toy compared to the API <laughs> in terms of getting all that data out there. 
Now there's different tabs too on the interface. So if you've not logged in before, you can look at it based on queries, which is what Google calls. We might call that a keyword, what the actual term is that people are searching for pages. So those are the ones where I spend probably 90% of my time, Mm -hmm. but you can also break it down by countries. So the client I'm looking at right now, for example, got 13,000 clicks last month from the US and 344 from Canada. And then very low after that, but like India, Philippines, UK, Mexico. But for some of our clients that are more international, this tab is really useful because we can see, hey, are we making inroads and progress with people who are searching on Google and looking for us specifically from another country looking to vacation where we're based? So that can be valuable information. Also breaks it down by device. And I'm always surprised when I go and look and I realize that, yes, 60 to 70% of the people clicking on our websites are typically on mobile, not on mm-hmm. desktop. And that mm-hmm. kind of backs that up there from a click perspective. Then it also breaks down the date of traffic by date, obviously. And then search appearance. So if you have any specific extra markup on your pages, if there's good ex- page experience, product results, product snippets, reviews, featured snippets, those will all show up under search appearance. So that's good data to have. So that's when I go and look. And what I'm looking at is like trends. Uh, where's What are some of the top keywords? What are the, some of the top non-branded keywords? We talked about this in previous episodes, but we talked about what is the branded search volume for a specific company. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the best ways to measure, in my opinion, is to go look at people, how many people are looking on Google for the name of the company. The client I'm looking at right here got 751 clicks last month on just the name of their company. So almost, you know, almost 800 people came in last month just looking for that company. Never mind the fact that they actually were considering vacation rentals and getting traffic in that right. market for those keywords as well. So it's super insightful, valuable data. And this is a little bit more closer to the source than a lot of these third-party tools. We've waxed poetic and talked about how we like Ahrefs and SEMrush mm-hmm. in the past, but this is a little bit closer to the truth in terms of what the actual impression and click counts are. So if you had to, tr- if I could only have one source and I couldn't have a third-party SEO tool and I could use this to evaluate my site performance, I'd be okay with it because you get a good amount of insight. But when you log in and you look at a new GSE account for the first time, is there other things that you look for beyond those kind of base level things and dig a little bit deeper into the other yeah. reports? Yeah, I think I think when Google started to put more of a premium on the Core Web Vital side of things, and then mm-hmm. when Google in turn put Core Web Vital into the Search Console experience, that that was definitely something where it was that eye opening item of oh, sites running pretty slow. Okay, <laughs> so that I think that was that quick glance at a quick performance metric of how is it really performing there, and again knowing that. We're, man, we're almost three years removed from Core Web Vitals or page speed being a major ranking factor. I think it is being able to monitor that and see when those little blips happen. Hopefully you are. You're consistently, your your mobile and desktop versions of your website are running smoothly, everything like that. But to see in a given day, and I think that's the notification communication from Google as well, not just how your site is performing overall with a visibility within the search results but then with the performance of the website itself too if you're getting if you have mobile issues or if you have core web vital issues you're going to get that notification from google if you've signed up for those notifications so i think that's been a big part as well really understanding in most cases i think most of the partners that we deal with, or most partners you deal with now, I'm sure there may be some opportunities on the core web vital side of things. We're not working directly with a lot of the websites themselves, but it is still nice to see see how their overall booking direct booking website is performing and be able to match that or make that comparison to we build out dedicated landing pages for partners. So trying to make sure that experience is not going to diminish when they're going from their branded domain to, to a separate landing page or a subdomain there. So I just think that the core web vitals portion is very important. I think just the overall, like the technical SEO aspects, like the ability to submit a sitemap, the, the ability to update your sitemaps, 
I think those are really important too. And again, as we look at it from the technical side of things, maybe we're the only ones who are really concerned about that. But having worked on one of those mammoth sites previously, a 50, 60, 70,000 page site, where you are trying to get rid of some of those server errors and 404s mm -hmm. that are that have backed up and maybe hurt your performance overall organically, having this as a as a repository of all those things that need to be fixed and do stuff like that. And to give Google a quick indication, hey, I'm going to submit this URL. This is now the URL we should be directing back to. So I do. I think on the technical side of things, there really is a lot of functionality that helps point Google in the right direction to ensure that I think everything is aligned on the technical SEO side of things. And ultimately, again, if Google thinks it's an issue, it's probably something worth looking at. <laughs> Occasionally, they do flag things that I think are a little bit like they, they mean, but it just doesn't make right. sense. Like they give a lot of product review markup errors on sites that we work on because it's you don't have if it's in stock or not. Like it's a vacation rental house. It's not in stock or out of stock. It <laughs> depends on the day. Some of the markup that we use, it doesn't actually perfectly mesh in with what Google's trying to do with like product markup as an example. But to your point, once you submit the sitemap, inside of Google, you're quickly able to see, okay, here's the sitemap. Here's what I, here's the pages I care about. Grade me on those pages to both the things you mentioned, page experience, core web vitals. Do you have any mobile usability errors? Those, that kind of thing. And then, yeah, it'll tell you if you submit it, if you're submitting pages and it's not indexing it, it'll also tell you why I'm not indexing this content because you submitted it, but I don't see, <laughs> basically it's not good. <laughs> I don't see any value right. in the content or there's the no index tag. Hey, you submitted a bunch of pages that index. So why'd you do that? <laughs> or just simple. Hey, here's a bunch of broken pages. I found might want to click these, right. fix these up. I found I'm looking right now and I see ah two broken pages that we somehow missed that just triggered about two days ago. So we can log in and fix those pages. And yeah, we could go run a crawl and screaming frog or mm -hmm. something like that to find that. But it's nice that Google lets you know, hey, here's where it is. Here's where we found it. We can just quickly copy that URL, fix the broken link and get things corrected and then resubmit and validate that fix to Google. And they'll come back and make sure they let us know that they've corrected that error on their side of things. So I like locking in here for most clients once a month, if we can, when we have time to do, if we don't see anything, then maybe there's no action item taken, but sometimes there's problems in there that we can uncover and we can fix and try to make Google happy. And that we think this kind of ties in well, we'll just, it's kind of like SEO health checkup, if you will, yeah. right? So the doctor and they look at your heart and your lungs and your eyes and your, all this kind of stuff. And they just want to make sure there's no glaring issues. You can grow a site that has a bunch of things popping up here and there inside of these technical Interfaces. I'm not one of these people that believes that perfection is even possible in technical SEO. It's usually, I read an old post about Ian Laurie read about this called distance from perfect. It's like, how close can I get to perfect? I can't actually really be perfect. So is there some reasonable distance I can get from perfect that allows me to perform at a high level and spend times on things that are really growing the site in terms of traffic content? things like that. But yeah, one other thing I wanted to mention that I don't think either of us touched on yet is the idea that you can inspect any page. So we do that quite a bit. It sounds simple, but we publish content for clients frequently, blog content, and we'll just go in there and submit the page in Google and say, hey, click here, submit this, please crawl this as soon as you can. It used to be a while ago where we'd have issues where clients' content wouldn't get indexed for days, if not weeks. But it seems like they fixed a lot of those issues that I don't have indexing issues nearly as bad as we were in the past. I don't know if that was some sort of technical change that has been made on their side of things, or it's just like, we're producing better content. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Can't explain that one. But um, we seem to have better luck overall with getting indexed content quickly. When once our Philippe and our team publishes that content, logs into Search Console, clicks submit, and gets that off to the races. That does help a little bit. I think getting some performance out of that content right away, which is useful. What, you want to dig into some of the other stuff that is a little bit deeper into the process. So there's the manual actions tab, which yes. we hope to <laughs> click on and never find any issues. But I don't know if you have anything else before we get into the bad. Here's where things can go wrong in this interface. I think that we're. I think we can touch on it in a little bit, but I think initially how I got introduced to Search Console was uh, disavowing links. And I know that we have, yeah, it is. We've had some discussions on, on, on that more recently, but 
Yeah, there's definitely let's yeah, I think we can jump right into the slightly negative side or the more alarming side of Google Search Console. And yeah, talk about the manual warnings and the uh, security issue. Hopefully nobody has security issues. It is. It's been a long time since we've had, thankfully, knock on all the wood in the world, but any security issues, manual actions, anything like that. It is. Are you been nursing anything in the last six to 12 months where you've seen any of those manual actions and security issues come through? I like to think we do a good job on both areas of the puzzle on the security side. A lot of our client sites that we built, we take the WordPress kind of security pieces pretty seriously. We update the plugins. I'm not going to say we've never had a site hack. That would be not necessarily accurate. We've had one or two sites hacked over the past few years, but usually it was, I hate to say it's like the client's fault, but in this case, it's true. We had a client who had a very insecure password and then their password was compromised, not our password or our server or our security. Then they got in their admin access. They were able to install some kind of plugin. Usually it's that file manager plugin. That seems to be how all these hackers do it. They get WP admin access, dump the file manager plugin in there. And then it's, oh boy, you're uh, you're screwed because they basically have FTP access to that subfolder at least. So we had a hack site warning come through Search Console. I forget when, like you said, maybe six months ago, something like that. But we were able to fix it. We saw it. I appreciate that Google emailed us. We actually had already caught it, I think, the day before. But I didn't like to get the email at that point for that particular scenario because I was like, shoot, now Google knows about it. I wonder if we're going to have some long-term issues. But we really didn't. I think that Google seems pretty forgiving about that. If you have a hack site, I always was concerned because it shows like a hack site message in the actual search results when that does occur. And I was always terrified. Oh, no, Google's going to just completely de-index the site (laughs) and kill it. And that doesn't seem to be the case. If you act quickly and you get things corrected, we notice no loss in traffic. In fact, I think the next month we actually did a little bit better traffic wise than the month before. So security issue. Yeah, keep an eye out for that. Obviously, use all the best practices on your website relative to securing the back end admin area. Depends on what CMS and things like that you use. We're obviously WordPress fans on the build up side of things. Mm. So WordPress is our CMS of choice, very popular. But I know there's some custom CMSs out there that are not hacker proof. There's a CMS, there's a vacational marketing company out there that we compete with sometimes that claims that their you know system is more secure than WordPress in some way and i guess it's like uh what's the terminology it's like security security through obscurity which is basically like 100 websites on the planet use the cms that's custom so (laughs) yeah i guess it's more secure in that way because no broad scale attack would really look for it but i guarantee you if someone wanted to hack that site it would be possible to do and i know this because they sent fake phishing emails out to people a while ago someone got into their like got into their customer list pulled down their domain names sent Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is what it was. Sorry, I'm remembering the story now. They went to the name server like records. They pulled down all the sites that were using that particular name server that this web agency uses. Email them, say, hey, you have to reset your password. Click here, put in your old password, then put in your new password. And then they basically were able to get access to 30 or 50 different websites. Now, that wasn't necessarily an exact security issue on the web agency side. It was just more of a really kind of pretty elaborate pretty intelligent scam phishing password mm-hmm. attempt, but it was successful. Mm-hmm. They were doing no sort of two-step authentication at that time. So people were able to log in, upload files, upload, I think like some kind of executable script, which then gave them access to the server. And then at that point, it was more of an issue where they were able to manipulate data. So keep an eye out here. They'll email you. But if you ever see that security issue, that's something you want to hop on immediately, like that day, not, oh, we'll get to that next week. When there's a broken link, sometimes <laughs> you can put it to tomorrow and go do what you have to do. If your site's hacked, you want to take care of that right away. So definitely keep an eye on that yeah. security issues tab. Manual actions. Haven't dealt with one of those in a while. It's been it's been quite some time since I've dealt with a manual action. Number one, I think we do 
our kind of SEO approach is such that we hopefully would never get caught in that filter. I wonder how many they're handing out though, because I don't even see people that I follow on like Twitter and social media talk about manual actions that often. I feel like Marie Haynes would be the person who would talk about that the most, and I rarely see her post about it. And she's posts about it all the time. Oh, a client got a manual action, and we save them, which is her specialty is that mm-hmm. area of SEO, link audits and pulling people out of like really nasty situations in that respect is my understanding. Yeah, I don't have much experience there. We a long time ago, a client in the vacational space that is very well known and popular in public did have a manual action when I was still at the previous agency I worked for and we were able to get it revoked by going through, filling out the form, doing all this kind of stuff. But man, that's been six years ago. I don't think I've got one manual action since. I had a client that had one about two years ago, resolved right before we started working together. So <laughs> that's the only experience I can rely on there. Two tabs that you want to see right now, I'm looking right there and there's a check mark that says no yep. issues detected. Yep. That's what you want to see. You don't want to see anything else in these <laughs> yep. two tabs, but have you dealt with that in the past or are these mostly just hack sites every once in a while and a few manual actions in your day or? It is, yeah. We had a couple of hack sites, and yeah. the bad thing was we didn't have Search Console on it. We just we actually found out by a, it was Google Ads giving us a mal malware mm-hmm. warning and disapproving that way. So we it is we went through and installed Search Console on the site after the fact, and yeah, it was great at that point. But it really would have been nice yeah. to hopefully catch some of that a little ahead of time because I don't know, we don't know, we never knew timing, we didn't know anything like that. And it took, oh, I would say a good month and a half to really work through with with Google ad support because it is, we weren't going through search console side of things. We were going through with Mm -hmm. Google ad support and trying to say, okay, where are you finding the malware? And at some one point you could get on the live chat with Google and they would Mm -hmm. give you the 15 to 20 links that they found, which we had that were hack, hacked links or hacked code or whatever that was. So it was a lot more back and forth than than I would have liked. We get we got it resolved eventually, but yeah, yeah, I would guess it was about a six week process and couldn't run Google Ads during that time. Couldn't mm. do a lot of stuff. It is for a little while we were getting the the Google protection page. I would say when people were trying to access the site of this site is not secure. <laughs> do you want to oh. go forward or do you want to turn around? <laughs> and the traffic obviously went down pretty substantially there. So it's yeah, I, that's certainly something. Anytime you can, I you never want to see anything there, but anytime you've got anything in either of those tabs that's an immediate that's a drop everything what you're doing (laughs) yep and that's in the hour that's if you're in me that's if you're in a meeting you hang up the meeting and you go (laughs) fix things right away yeah yeah that can cause some severe traffic issues and to your point if you're a customer just think about it from the guest perspective for a second too if you're going to book on a vacational website and it says this information isn't secure even if that was fixed and you go on it the next time and you go yeah let me put my amex in this website nope you're gonna think is this legit probably not so yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on for sure and keep a close eye on. Now, right under that is the legacy section. The only tool I ever end up using in there occasionally is that a robots.txt tester. Um, they have an ad experience tool in there, but very few of our clients run any display ads on their website. So right. not something I typically ever fiddle with. And like I said, the only tool I've ever used in there since the redesign has been the robots.txt tester. So I don't know if you have anything else in there that you've used. Other than that, it's links and settings are the only other tabs maybe to run through pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty much. No, like I said, what we did in the legacy was disavow links. So that is where (laughs) we did that previously. It's not something I would do now. Again, Google, I think most of Google's research says don't. Just don't disavow links. Anybody out there who is still disavowing them, you probably shouldn't do that anymore. Just because if Google says it, if Bing has said similar things, but we didn't carry as much weight there, then we should, that's who we should be listening to there. So yeah, yeah. onto links and settings there then. External, internal links, I, I, as we talk 
a lot about link link strategies and link backs and all that stuff. It is, I think it's important to understand where those links are coming from, what pages are the top linked pages from ex- external links coming in or internal links going from page to page going out. I think all of that is important there. So understanding what your top linking sites are. Anchor text, I think that's important as well. If you've got some link text that's going nowhere right now, that is one of those things. Help clarify for the search engines where the traffic is going and where those links are going there. It's stunning sometimes to see what that top linking text, what those items are. There's actually, I'm looking at one right now. I see link in there. I see this link in there. I see an empty in there. Yeah, you really want to, that's just another point where you can give Google that clear indication with that linking alt text or not. It's not technically alt text per se. Anchor Anchor text there, thank you. So it is making sure that anchor text is spot on with where you're actually going or gives a little extra direction. That's an SEO play. I guess anything in in the links area or just overall settings (laughs) that that you spend a lot of time in there? I I sometimes will take a look at the crawl stats, which is under settings. I don't know why. It seems like a weird home for it. I feel like it would make more sense under some of the other submenus, to be honest. But yeah, typically the only tool that we sometimes will do inside of settings is that change of address that we had a site rebrand that we worked on a little while ago, went from domain A to domain B. That is actually, you can tell Google that you're doing that, which sometimes yep. can help speed up that process of getting things indexed. So that's a rare one. If you ever do rebrand, you, excuse me, if you ever do rebrand, you go from company A to company B.com and you're renaming the company, that's a tool to have in your back pocket for sure. Um, there's also like an association of service to Google Analytics. So that's under settings as well. That sometimes is worth, it's a convenience. It doesn't really give you like more data. It just puts the data in one interface that you can sometimes look at the other way. And then obviously you can add, remove users and things like that under the settings users section. If you're not an owner, you don't want to see a lot of those settings though. So make right. sure you're an owner too. Right. I was telling this to a client the other day. I was giving him ownership access of Search Console, not just user access. And he was like, why do I want this? And I'm like, well, who knows? I could get hit by a bus. And now you have Search Console <laughs> access. I was just saying, we always try to do things the right way there. But yeah, the crawl stats report, I don't find myself going in there a lot. At first, when that report first came out, I like to look for under that host status tab to be like, is there any issues? But I just rarely see any issues there. Even with sites that do sometimes have downtime, I rarely see any issues. So I don't think that report is particularly sensitive, to be honest with you, for lack of a better term. If your site is having downtime issues, I think that you're better off using some kind of monitoring tool like uptime robot is our tool of choice there and use that don't rely on google to tell you if your site's down if your site's down that often to where they're crawling you once a day and they're finding it down frequently then your site's (laughs) probably down way more than that you should definitely (laughs) dump that host and get it to a new host so i don't go to those a ton but occasionally there's some data in there that i might want to poke around especially if a site was struggling with issues like that like downtime issues and things like that or like i said i was doing some kind of rebranding project so those are some things that come to mind but really going back to the where we started on this particular segment on search console it's search results tab is where i'm spending about 85 percent of my time that's the one to play in on it gives you data that one one thing to keep in mind too is it gives you data that's anonymized or based on what everybody's seeing so i had a not a debate but i had an argument with a client one time about hey where i did the search in incognito and i see us ranking number four in google for this keyword but that can change depending on device where you're accessing the content from etc and then he went search console and looked because he was savvy and he understood how to log in and pull that data and he said in here it says 8.7 over the last 30 days and i said okay that's plausible because first well, we may have just jumped recently so right. that it could be it could have been 10 and now it's four and therefore the average balances out to be a number like that and i'm like that's just what i saw you could do that search and see a different ranking paul could do the search in minnesota and see different rankings so yep. that's the thing to keep in mind is that this isn't like a it's not a number on the position piece that's the piece that i sometimes have had some conversations with people about it's an average and mm-hmm. i think the best thing to do is look at, at it over 
a short time period, seven days or three days or something like that. Don't pull some long amount of data because one or two <laughs> low ranking days will like right. mess up all the data and make it useless. The other thing is there is a threshold on what they consider to be like like PI or like personally identifying or like clicks hidden for privacy. So sometimes pe when people are searching like the name of a property, I notice that it doesn't actually show up in Search Console because they think it's like a person's name or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that data isn't perfect. Keep that in mind. There is a bit of filtering going on there, especially in the web interface. We talked about that earlier, how there's only a thousand rows of data yeah. that you can access at any given time. If your site's of any decent size and significance, that is just flat out not enough data to be able to analyze. Better off pulling it down into a tool like link some tools in the show notes that we use. There's a Google Sheets tool I'm blanking on the exact name right now, but it's something named something very simply like Google Sheets for GSC or something like that. I'll hunt it down and I'll put it in the show notes because that's super useful. But really, I think this tool is your lifeline. It is your few. There's not a lot of areas where you get free information directly from Google to you to help you improve your site, make it better, improve your traffic. And this is one of the few that does. So hopefully, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, advanced, you picked up a tip or two from this. Anything else you want to cover here or should we just... We're, we slammed Google at the beginning, so we're going to end on a high note and say, thanks, Google, Google for Search Console. We appreciate it. It's super useful. We enjoy Pretty it. Pretty much. That, yeah. That's exactly it. After, after They may not have done Bard well, but fortunately, yeah. some of this legacy stuff that's still in place here, Search Console is, yeah, it, it will. I hope it will. But Search Console is definitely something that if you know where to look, and it's... I, I wouldn't say it's overwhelming. It, it's yeah. pretty straightforward. You can dig down a rabbit hole with Google, Google Analytics. I think in general, yeah. Search Console is one of those where they put just enough information there. And if you want to keep digging, you can get down that rabbit hole, but they're not going to easily allow you to do that. So it is. It's certainly something that provides value, lets you understand how that website is performing. And if you want to know more than that, you can find that too. Yeah. Awesome. I think we should put a button on this one and ask for reviews. So Google, we reviewed Google Search Console highly. You know what else people should review? This podcast highly. You should head into your favorite podcast player of choice, head onto that reviews tab, click five stars or whatever you think is appropriate. Whatever we would appreciate think, yeah. five stars. Yeah. We're not going to force you to do that. We're not like one no. of these Airbnb hosts that's five stars or nothing. If you want to go leave a three star and break our hearts and make us really sad, then you can do that. I don't want you to do that, but you can. <laughs> It's America, free choices. I'm all for that. <laughs> no, it's all good. But we do appreciate the reviews. I think we've gotten a few more since we always joke at the end about begging for reviews, but it does seem to work a little bit. So I guess until we have as many as everybody else has, we're not going to stop begging for reviews. Hopefully it doesn't bother people too much at the end. But thanks, Paul, for joining me today. I really appreciate our little chat today on Search Console. We've got more episodes coming. I think we might have analytics coming down the pipe. So definitely check that one out when that's ready to go. Paul has to learn GA4 first. Now I joke <laughs> in order to get us in good shape there. More things on the horizon, but we appreciate it. Um, if you can leave us a review please do if you have any questions or feedback or comments we'd appreciate it you can always hit us up conrad at buildupbookings.com is my email and then paul is p-a-u-l at ventori.com b-i-n-t-o-r-y.com so check us out there and we will catch you on the next episode thanks so much